Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had broken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. And you guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You will destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Technology today allows us to really see people really well. Like, 
It used to be like in the 80s when I was a kid, you might see a TV show like The Rich and the Famous, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, or maybe um, see People Magazine or some magazines at the grocery store or something like that. But man, in our culture today, wow, I mean, you can, you can get right up and see information, pictures, videos. And I think because of that, it's tempting to fill up a whole lot of time with our eyes on people where we're watching what people do. I mean, friends, family, celebrities, politicians, athletes, it's amazing. And because of that, because we have such instant access and we find it interesting, we're tempted to do a lot of it. But you know what's interesting is that when we read the scriptures here, this isn't new to our generation. It's, it's new to have the technology to have it consume so much of our time, but the fascination's not new. And here's Asaph, a worship leader, Psalm 73. And he's gonna talk about how he has envy growing in his heart. And he gives the why, he gives the motive. He, he shares it with us, Psalm 73. Look at this, he says, "'Surely God is good to Israel, "'to those who are pure in heart, but, "'but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. "'I had nearly lost my foothold.'" So he's saying, I almost gave up, I almost quit. He's using language of almost falling. Uh, we're not a culture necessarily where we're all out hiking very much. So think of like, I almost fell off the treadmill. I mean, like I almost fell, I almost had a bad day, almost messed me up. Look at this, he says this, for, here's the why, here's why I almost slipped up, for I envied the arrogant. When I saw, there it is, when I saw, when my eyes beheld, when I watched, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So how did you get to this place of slipping up? How did you get to this place where I almost fell, I almost slipped up? Well, when I looked, when I saw, it's an issue of seeing. It's an issue of where am I placing my eyes? I was praying this psalm, thinking about our church family and thinking about our temptation to fill up our eyes with so much watching people. <laughs> like the old days where you'd go to watch people downtown or at a mall. Oh, no, 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 no. Nothing compared to the culture that you and I live in right now. And, and here's Asaph and he's saying, here's, here's what caused me to slip up. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I began to envy the arrogant or envy the wicked. I envied them. And you get down to what's the why, what's really in his heart. Verse 13, look at this. He makes it really clear. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. So he lists all the ways that their bodies seem amazing. They have wealth. They live carefree. They don't abide by the laws of God. And it's all working out for them. Ever been there? Ever been at the place where you thought, here I am serving, here I am keeping my heart pure. And it looks to me like other people are living for whatever they want to. And here's the struggle, here's the tension. He's, he's frustrated. And, and, and I think it's interesting, whenever you start off with God is good to Israel, but as for me, you know you're in a hiccup. You know when you state some good theology, but then you say, but, it's not good. He says here, God is good to Israel, but as for me, he kind of creates his own category. Because in this, he talks about how God's goodness to Israel, and then he talks about the wicked, and he puts himself in this kind of middle category where he's, I'm, I'm a part of Israel. I'm a part of God's family, but I've got my eyes on the wicked. And so instead of being filled with delight as a worshiper of God, he is 
living in envy. Nobody likes to live in envy. I mean, envy doesn't even give a moment of worldly pleasure or eternal pleasure. <laughs> like, like if you think of revenge or adultery, maybe you have an instant pleasure in the world and eternally re regret it. But envy itself, even that moment is miserable. I mean, nothing depletes your joy like envy. And here's the psalmist, Asaph. He's got envy growing in his heart. How? What he's looking at. What he's just, what he's staring at. What he's fixed his eyes on. And you've got inside of him, he, he verbalizes the motive. He says, I want what they have. I, I, I want me. I want what I can get. I want worldly stuff. My motive is me. My motive is ultimately, he's saying, I want the prosperity of the world because that's where his eyes are. And I was thinking about this category idea because I'm gonna take you on a journey where we're gonna read Psalm 73, Asaph's journey. And he is stuck right here, just like many of you feel stuck right now, but he gets out of it. He comes to a place of being healthy. Actually in verse 26, you've got another moment where he says, but he says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. So earlier, he was saying, I'm the center. I'm mostly what I'm thinking, but as for me, I'm going to use God as my means to get what I want. But he goes on a journey where at the end he's saying, he's saying, but God is my purpose. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So I want you to go on this journey I want you to fall in love with Psalm 73 because I think all of us frequently live in a culture where we're tempted to have our eyes feasting on others. We have our eyes feasting on others. What grew in Asaph's heart will grow in our heart. But if we'll do what Asaph did, then we can end up where Asaph ended up, which was ultimately, but God is my portion. So what do you do when you find yourself in Asaph's scenario? <laughs> when suddenly, here's a worship leader, Asaph, and he's saying, I'm a worship leader, I'm after God. But all of a sudden he's verbalizing, but I want what the wicked have. <laughs> Ever been there? He says, I, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I've been there. I've been in a place where I've said, What's going on? I've got this conviction. I'm after God. That's what Asaph was saying. He's saying, I'm after God. And yet here he's going, I'm after God, but I'm after prosperity. I mean, I think I'm after God, but I have these emotions that are different than my convictions. And so I want God. I'm the worship leader. I, I want God, but I want what the wicked have. How do we move forward in a scenario like that? Some people start to pretend. So they just put on an outer behavior, a shell, that looks religious, legalistic, righteous, and they leave dormant their interior heart. So the outward behavior becomes right, but a mess on the inside. And that's a recipe for disaster. Pretenders, that's where you end up either in some form of hypocrisy or some kind of burnout, but that's a bad pathway. Some people, they just go pagan. Hey, it's my emotions. 
I am whatever my emotions say. So the essence of who I am is what I feel. That's all that it is. And so whatever I feel, that's the real me. But Asaph's way is better than the pretender or the pagan. Asaph's way is prayer. Asaph goes to God. And you read this Psalm 73, this is raw. I mean, he's talking about the bodies and the wealth of the wicked. He's taking to God specific things about the prosperity of the wicked. He's confessing his own envy of the arrogant when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. This is raw, but that's what changes everything as he just comes before God. So you can pretend and just have an outer shell and just try to have the right behavior and not deal with the real problem in, on the inside. Or you can just let the inside be everything and leave God out completely. Make yourself the center of your own world and act like the pagans do. Asaph gives us right here a great example. He's raw and real. And actually, look at this in verse 13. He says this, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. And you think, oh no, it's all about you. Sounds like it. Verse 14, all day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Verse 15, if I had spoken out that I would have betrayed your children. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Oh no, downward spiral. Here's where it all turns though. Look at verse 17. He stops talking about me, the rest of the psalm, he's not man-centered, he's God-centered. How'd he get there? Here's the step. Verse 17 says, till. That's the big word, till. If you walk away with anything today, I want you to walk away with this, till I entered the sanctuary of God. When I entered the sanctuary of God, I got a perspective shift, a perspective change. And as we read Asaph at the end of Psalm 73, it feels like a different person, but it's the same person. Ever been there? Where you almost are like, which, which, will the real me please stand up? <laughs> which one am I? Well, here's the transformation piece. When Asaph got alone with God, went into the sanctuary. When we read the scriptures, it's all about being with God. Adam and Eve in the Garden of, the, of Eden, with God. They choose to sin, get kicked out, no longer in presence of God, and ever since then, it's always been a story of getting back to be with God. Whether we're reading stories about the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, whether we're reading about temple, presence of God, or Jesus comes. Jesus dies on the cross, resurrects, Holy Spirit comes, we become the place that God dwells, Right now, you have the opportunity to get close to God. Where's the current sanctuary? Is it a building at Radiant Church? No, because Radiant Church has no building. <laughs> Thank God. It's you. It is you going, God, I'm going to enter into communion, union with you. It's not about going to a building. You are the sanctuary. The presence of God dwells in you. It's you saying, I'm going to connect with God. And everything changed for Asaph when he said, till I entered the sanctuary. And if you feel like right now your life is going two different directions, verbally, hey, I'm with God. But emotions, hey, I'm with the wicked. 
your next step, go get with God. Enter the sanctuary. Get in His presence. So transformation takes place in the presence of God. That's the big idea that we see here in Psalm 73 with Asaph. And you're either going to be fascinated with God's activity or man's activity. Like when we read Psalm 73 right here, Asaph at the beginning, he's talking about the wicked and he has discontentment. Or he, he says he became envious when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. Why? Because of what he was looking at. And so he is fascinated with their activity. But then when he enters the sanctuary of God, then everything shifts. And the way that he talks is not about the wicked's activity. He starts to talk about God's activity. And there's a better life available for you and for me when we've been in the presence of God. And what our conversation is about is God's activity because we've beheld him, we've seen him. When we haven't seen him, when our eyes have just been on social media, just magazines, TV, friends, so it's just people, then that's what we're gonna talk about. And that's what's gonna kind of have the interior traffic inside of us. But when we've been with God and seen God and have this with God life, where we're with him, we're in his presence, the, the language sanctuary here, then all of a sudden I'm fascinated by what God is doing. And that's the way that he talks here. Look at this, he transitions to verse 23 where he says, yet I am always with you, you hold me. I like that first one, you hold me. And, and think about that, when he says, you hold me by my right hand, in verse two, he had said, I almost slipped. I just love the imagery where now he's saying, you hold me by my right hand. Not only do you hold me, but you guide me, verse 24, with your counsel. So God, you speak to me. You hold me, you counsel me, and afterward, you will take me into glory. I, you've got a bright future for me. It's God activity. And I just want you to be encouraged because it's possible that today you feel like, I don't know if I'll ever step out of the desire that I have that's ungodly. And Asaph could have thought that way. I'll always be envious because of the prosperity of the wicked. But he was transformed. His desires were transformed in the presence of God. His perspective changed in the presence of God. And if you believe and see that it's possible for you to have desires transformed, then you will give yourself to entering into the sanctuary. Then instead of just being driven to go see and get what everybody else has, it'll be, I just, I just need to be with God. If I can get in his presence, if I can be with God, and I want that vision to be so alive inside of you. I was thinking about what would happen if you just had vision just start here, that desires can be transformed. I will bet you could right now think about a desire that you used to have that you no longer have. Just that simple. There was a day where you desired A, now you no longer desire A, you desire B, right? When I was dating my beautiful bride, Renata, when we were young adults in Oklahoma, this is gonna sound kind of Oklahoma, you ready for this? Renata's favorite meal when we would drive in the car was a candy bar and a Dr. Pepper. And her music of choice was country music. Yeah, so it was, I got friends in low places and boot scootin' boogie. I mean, that's what was Renata's desire, Dr. Pepper and a Snickers. Mm, that is the 19 year old Renata. But that's not the Renata I know today. Today it's Renata sitting there 
yelling at Alexa to play classical music, drinking herbal tea, eating organic snacks, and challenging me to be more healthy, right? That same girl, new desires, right? We've all got that. You could talk about some way where your desires have changed. I love to see it, spiritually speaking, you know, people in our church. I've seen people in our church that used to have no desire for the Word of God, and now they have this ferocious hunger to study the Word of God, desire transformation. I've seen people in our church that prayer wasn't even a part of their life, and now they love the prayer meeting, they love to spend time with God. Some young people that wanna start prayer movements, husbands that are praying with their wives. I mean, people having prayer meetings even in their homes. It's amazing. It's transformation of desire. It's possible. I just want you to have that vision so that you would say, okay, God, I want that addiction, that thing inside of me that, that is causing me to create a third space. Uh, I guess I'll always just kind of live right here in this lethargic state. I want to get rid of that because when you go into the presence of God, transformation happens. You know this in your house, when you are hungry and you need to become full, there is a place where you can go where food happens, right? You go to the fridge, the kitchen, food happens, and then boom, <laughs> there's change, right? You, are, you haven't showered in a couple days and you smell, there's a place where transformation happens, right? You go to the shower, clean happens, it's a place, it's real. You're tired, you got up at 4 a.m. and now it's 11 o'clock that night and you're tired, you need rest, you go to bed. There's a place where rest happens. There's a place where transformation of the human heart happens. It's in the presence of God. If you'll go to the presence of God, here's Asaph, he says, when I entered into your sanctuary and he starts talking about what God is doing instead of what the wicked are, are, have been doing and everything changes. My dream for us is that we would be a people that are transformed into his image. And the way that we're gonna get there is by being in his presence. And so I wanna invite you to be a person that says, just like Asaph, I will do whatever it takes to enter into the presence of God. I am going to the sanctuary. Now Asaph's prayer looks a lot different than when we first started Psalm 73. The transformation is obvious. I just want to read it verse by verse together and just listen to the words because I want you to have a vision for your own prayer life. Some of you, you think, no, I'm too messed up. There's no way that I could pray like that. Oh yeah? Listen to starting off envying <laughs> the wicked, envying the arrogant because of their prosperity, all the way to this language about who God is. Look at this, verse 23. He says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. He's talking about God holding him. Remember in verse two where he said, I almost slipped and fell, but not now. Now he's saying, you hold on to me. And actually in verse 18, right after he enters in to the sanctuary, he says, it's actually the wicked who are standing on slippery ground. Oh, that's a transformation. That's different than what you were saying before. You used to envy the wicked and now you're going, I don't want what they have. I don't want to stand where they're standing. No, I, wanna, I want God to hold on to me. That's a, that's a big shift. That's a big transition. Look at this, verse 24. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into your glory. You counsel me and he's talking about his future. This is just but a taste test. 
This is just the trailer before the movie. I've got more coming in glory. This is just, you go out for ice cream. This is that little, give me a taste before I get what I really want. You know what I really want? It's you, God. And every little bit right now, it's just a little bit. It's at the food court where you go, you go, give me that little piece of chicken because they're trying to get you to come back to take more. This is the more. This is God forever and ever, I'm with you. And right here, I've got that hope of, this is the, eternity, forever with you. And it's actually the wicked that are on slippery ground. Ugh. Then look at this, verse 25, it says this. This is one of the most famous verses in the Psalms. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Think about the things that we desire. It's not wrong to desire those things. Here's what we're saying. I desire you more than anything else. I've seen some pretty beautiful things in my life. I've eaten some pretty good meals in my life. I, I, I've gone to some cool places. I've had some stuff, but God, compared to you, I desire nothing compared to you. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. So I was thinking about, I went to Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe, beautiful. I, I remember going to the Taj Mahal, took a team to India. <laughs> hey, nice place. Nothing compared to you. I desire nothing besides you. Earth has nothing I desire besides you. Just think of the place you've been, the meal you've eaten. I've had literally the best meal in the history of the world. In an out burger. <laughs> Pick yours. The greatest place you've been, the greatest meal, the house, the car, the thing you've owned. And here's Asaph where he says, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hold on a minute. Earlier he was talking about the bodies of the wicked. <laughs> now we're saying, oh, I don't desire the body. I, um, even when I'm old and gray, even if my body fails, ah, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. It's you, God. You're my portion. So I might not get everything that the world has to offer, but I've got you. I've got God. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. He's saying they won't have what he's about to say, nearness with you like what I have. And instead of envying them, no, no, no. Now he's saying they don't have what I have. I've got you, God. And he says, last verse, we'll close here. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. He starts off in verse one, talking about the goodness of God. And now he ends, last verse. And instead of him being distant in verse two, now the very last verse he's saying, me, I know I'm close to God. It's good to be near God. That's the vision for today, that you would have a vision to be near God, that you would choose. I am not going to look at the wicked all up on my phone. I'm not going to look at what the world has to offer. I'm going to enter into his sanctuary and be transformed. And when I'm with God in his presence, 
that's where transformation happens. That's where I see eternity instead of time. That's where I not only get his perspective, but I begin to value what he values. And that's the place where all of us can be transformed. As we conclude today, all of us can take a spiritual step. I know in my own life, I want to secure being with God and being transformed into his presence. And so for me personally, that's what I'm asking the Lord for today. What about you? Do you need to ask the Lord, would you give me strength to get alone with God and take that step to be with him? Maybe to lead a prayer meeting, maybe to lead your family in prayer, maybe to be a part of our weekly prayer meeting. Maybe it's to lead others in a small group or join a small group. Maybe the Holy Spirit today might lead you to take a step in serving other people. Normally we have serve day right now in COVID-19. Every day is serve day and ask the Lord, how can I serve? But let's just take a moment and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. I think many of you today are saying, I want to go to the sanctuary. I want to be with God and be transformed. But let's just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to help us take a step. Now there are some of you that right now your step is to decide to follow Jesus. Like when I'm talking about the way of the wicked, you're going, that's my life. I do what I want. I, I, I live the way that I want. I'm after whatever the world can give me to make me happy. And when you hear this Psalm about Asaph, who's talking about eternity, about what God will do in his life, I want you to know that today you can make a decision to follow Jesus and it is God because he sent his son Jesus who will save you. And so if you say, that's my spiritual step, I wanna follow Jesus today. I just wanna invite you to just say this to God right now. God, come and save me. Do a work inside of me. I give you my life. I choose to follow you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I give you my life. That's not all you need to say to God, but that's how you start your relationship with Jesus. It's just to turn. I'm not the Lord of my life anymore. God, you are. And if you wouldn't mind, if you made that decision today, would you just indicate it? You can go ahead and email us, yes at radiantchurchkc.com. Or depending on the platform you're on, would you just contact us? We wanna be in touch with you and help you get connected to a small group. We wanna help resource you on your journey with Jesus.